0: Support for this podcast comes from the Florida Atlantic University College of Business, home to over 8,000 students, seven departments, six centers, and an impressive offering of interdisciplinary and professional development programs taught by the college's world-class faculty. Learn more at business.fau.edu. Welcome to What's Happening at FAU Business. I'm Jim Heligard, Media Relations Director in FAU's Division of Public Affairs for the College of Business. With us today is Andrew Gallen, Assistant Professor of Marketing and the Director of the FAU Center for Services, Marketing, and Management. Dr. Gallen has almost 20 years of business experience in sales, sales management, and marketing, which combined with his academic qualifications enable him to have a distinct perspective on research and teaching. His areas of research interests include service innovation, service design, and customer-patient experience, almost exclusively conducted in the healthcare industry. Dr. Gallen is here today to discuss his recent article, Transforming Community Well-Being Through Patients' Lived Experiences, which was published in the Journal of Business Research. To learn more about this research, visit business.fau.edu news. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's interview with Dr. Andrew Gallon. Hi, Dr. Gallen. Welcome to the program. In your article, you introduced the concept of patient ecosystem management. You and your co-authors describe this as an organizational process that focuses on treating patients differently in terms of assessing, managing, and expanding resources to achieve patient health and well-being goals. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. This article basically focuses on urging healthcare organizations and professionals to utilize the relationships they have with patients in order to leverage them to connect patients to additional resources to help them with their their problems or their health issues. And when we talk about patients' lived experiences, there's a lot of research and a lot of focus on improving patient experience. There's a lot of effort from healthcare organizations on improving... Uh, engagement from their patients, whether it be logging on to electronic medical records or taking more responsibility for their health behaviors. And we attempt to make the connection between these sort of micro uh, encounters, these individual encounters at the micro level that healthcare professionals would have with patients and a community level outcome. And More and more hospitals and healthcare systems are being tasked to take more responsibility and have more financial risk when it comes to the health and well-being of their communities. And some of them are really – have trouble identifying how to do that. And this article is intended to start a conversation on how they might achieve that. And basically, this idea of patient ecosystem management is, in a nutshell – Leveraging the relationship you have with a patient to discover exactly what the obstacles are to their health and well-being and connecting them to resources that help them overcome those obstacles.
0: In the paper, you discuss your experience accompanying home health professionals on a series of several visits to help a 72-year-old woman you call Justine, who lives in Chicago and was recovering from a hip replacement. Her plan of healing included at-home nursing care and physical therapy. Among their exercise recommendations, they suggested Justine walk around the block once a day. On the face of it, that sounds like a fairly simple request. But in fact, it wasn't so easy for Justine. Tell us what happened from there.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great example. This is a true story. Uh the name Justine was given to you know disguise who who this was, but it's a true story of a woman in Chicago and you're right. On on its face, you would think that a request to walk around the block once a day is really not that onerous and wouldn't require that much effort or time. But uh, we show in this case that Justine did not, uh, from the healthcare uh, provider perspective, quote-unquote comply with their, with their request to walk around the block. And so there were several visits and several conversations around, you know, please do this and have you done this? And the answer was always no. Uh, and finally, they needed to scratch below the surface and to really develop the kind of relationship and establish a type of communication that would allow them to understand what was going on. So they uh, utilized the help of a social worker. They brought together all the healthcare professionals who were visiting Justine in her home, as well as Justine's daughter. And they discovered that Justine's daughter was actually telling her not to walk around the block for uh, at least two very important reasons. Number one, the sidewalks were uneven. So she could fall and hurt herself, uh, which would obviously be contrary to what they were hoping. And then secondly, on occasion, they would hear gunshots in their neighborhood in Chicago. So they felt it was an unsafe environment for her to walk around the block. So once the home health nurse and the social worker heard this, they were able to formulate some plans with Justine and her daughter. And what they did was they contacted a local church that Uh, provided van service for Justine and some other neighbors and brought them to a high school track and walked around a very safe surface, uh, were supervised, were transported to and from the high school, and also seen safely into our house. So not only did this allow Justine to get the exercise that the physical therapist wanted, and she was able to heal from her hip replacement, but also she made significant social connections, and she established relationships that went well beyond her time in home health. So this is, I think, a powerful example of what uh, you asked previously with regard to patient ecosystem management, which is the relationship itself was necessary but not sufficient to really take care of Justine's needs. It was scratching beneath the surface, finding out what was required, and then connecting her to additional resources and capabilities that would allow her to engage in the types of activities that would benefit her health and well-being. And the connection between the individual and sort of the community level is that Justine made a lot of good friends and her world expanded through this whole experience. And as a result, it really had ripple effects through uh, a community of people who then would walk around a track and get together for social uh, engagements and spend time uh, outside of their home health environment. So, you know, it really, I think, was a powerful example of showing how this notion of patient ecosystem management can have an impact on a community level.
0: That's really interesting. I mean, as you said, I think Justine's story is a great example of what happens when you scratch beneath the surface and try to identify what the issues are and connect individuals to community resources. So in what ways do we need to rethink our approach to healthcare to make it easier to get to that kind of outcome you saw with Justine?
1: Yeah, I mean, in the paper, we suggest two uh, a framework that includes two strategies and mechanisms for moving in the right direction. And the first one is what we call intra-alignment, which is really uh, increasing patient utilization of a lot of resources, including technology like electronic medical records. And the other concept is inter-alignment, which is really looking at the infrastructures that surround the patient, um, their cognitive, emotional, and social uh, resources and capabilities. And When you have things inside the organization that are properly aligned and you're able to, within the relationship, establish commonality, that is, when the conversation among the home health providers as well as Justine and her daughter was aligned, then they were able to bring in these additional resources and align those with the overall goals, which is to have her improve her mobility, to have her uh, get back to walking uh, to resume her normal daily activities. Um, but beyond that, Justine's goals were, were even broader, which is to reengage with her community and to be a grandmother once again, to be part of a family and a community, which happened in this case as well. So that's the framework we hope will spur some thinking among healthcare professionals to think about what steps they can take to begin this journey moving forward.
0: In the article, you outline several practical guidelines you have for clinicians and healthcare practitioners. Can you tell us a little more about that?
1: Yes, at the end of our paper, we actually include a table which has fourteen illustrative cases, and they're not meant to be completely inclusive, but they are meant to be exemplary of the types of things that organizations are doing to illustrate um, how organizations might make the first step in moving forward, and. I don't want to discuss all of them. There's there's not time for that, but I'll just highlight a couple of things. And the first thing is medical-legal partnerships, um, and they represent a collaborative intervention. There are attorneys who work for not-for-profits that are embedded in healthcare organizations, and patients who are in need of legal assistance are identified by healthcare professionals and then referred to these attorneys who work for a not-for-profit organization And they address things um, beyond the scope of the immediate healthcare needs, but are absolutely essential for addressing healthcare utilization. And an example of that is you might see uh, a mother with a young child who visits the emergency room repeatedly uh, for exacerbations of asthma. And The healthcare organization in the emergency department or the urgent care is addressing these issues, and it's very expensive to address that way. But once you discover that the living conditions for that young child are not optimal, then you can engage the help of an attorney to address mold and other environmental issues in their apartment by taking legal action and addressing this with the landlord's. And once you address that situation, then you significantly reduce the number of VD visits, which has a significant impact on healthcare utilization costs. So that is one example of looking at these collaborations and engaging in resources beyond the scope of uh, the immediate healthcare organizations to look for ways to resolve what we call social determinants of health.
0: Are there organizations out there that you've seen that offer a good model for
1: what you describe as patient
0: ecosystem management?
1: You know, I think that, again, to go back to some of these cases, there are some organizations that are doing some things right. I think that, for instance, um, Seattle Children's Hospital has policies and resources in place to address food insecurity Uh, for the people they serve. They give food bags, cafeteria vouchers, and gift cards to patients in need. There are also organizations that are working with technology, which I had mentioned before, Um, So there's an organization that is functioning as an emergency department concierge, and you can log on to their website, and they can act as your patient navigator, consultant, and customer service representative all in one. And they can show you how the process works. They can arrange follow-up for treat and release emergency department patients. They can make ambulatory appointments, follow-up appointments, imaging, post-acute care. And so they can really function in a positive way to... Uh, really seal up the cracks that exist between episodes of care to ensure that things don't fall into those cracks and then get lost so they can create a more seamless experience for the patient and connect them to resources that they didn't even know existed. One last question. What do you hope will come from this research, and
0: where do you see things going from here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the team that I worked with on this paper was very passionate about the fact that not-for-profit organizations 85% of US hospitals are not for profit organizations will think more broadly about what it means to say that they are dedicated to patient health and well-being and community health and well-being and to really think more broadly about how they can connect with other resources this is not about asking them to to do more with less this is about asking them to connect to existing organizations to organizations outside of their walls that have the capabilities and resources to help their patients and to really think about this as a network and to really think about not only the patient's ecosystem and how they can infuse that with with additional resources, but how they can create even larger networks and ecosystems to surround themselves with the resources that they need to help their patients. Dr. Gallen, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you for having me.
0: What's Happening at FAU Business is part of the FAU College of Business podcast network. Learn more at business.fau.edu slash podcasts.